Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports. Today we have soccer, Omar Garcia. Omar is a business development manager at Player Makers. What he does is he helps teams and leagues understand the analytics of what his product can provide and how coaches can become better by utilizing these analytics. It's a very interesting conversation in the soccer slash football world and how you can really utilize analytics in all of these sports and it's actually to your advantage and to take that and utilize it is very very important and he's gives some very concrete examples on how he's been able to utilize it but also how some of his clients have been able to utilize these analytics so please enjoy this conversation with omar soccer omar Today I have the incredible Omar Garcia, good guy, fun guy. We just met. Um, I think we spoke for the first time last week, maybe. Um, and you were just telling a story, and I'm gonna have to ask. It's a good story, so I'm probably gonna ask you to tell it again. But uh, gentleman that was on the the show earlier, which those episodes should all be up by now. Um, he introduced me to Omar Jonah. Uh, Jonah Pineda is awesome guy as well. And so, yeah, if you don't mind, I guess, just telling that story that you just told me off air, that was a, that was a pretty cute story, how you guys know each other, met, and uh, you're not able to work together for so long. Yeah, so Jonah and I, we, we met back in, um, in college about 10 years ago. We were both studying sports management. And I remember he, me and him were the only guys in the, in, in the classroom that had a soccer interest. Everybody was either golf, tennis, or basketball. So we were like, okay, so we're partnering up for every project. Only Spanish speakers here, only soccer fanatics here. So it kind of uh, ended up hanging out with him. Um, then we worked with the, at the strikers together doing some ticket operations where we would put in, you know, crazy amount of hours. You know, sometimes I would schedule him to arrive at the office at 1 a.m. Um, and, and I couldn't have done anything without him, honestly. You know, the extra set of eyes and hands to, to help with everything. Um, unfortunately, second division soccer at the time didn't have a big budget. So the only way to compensate him was through our sponsors or whatever I got from them. I kind of just rallied on and, uh, and, and gave back to, to Jonah to kind of keep him in, in, involved. Um, obviously, we ended up hiring him because he was uh, amazing and that kind of built onto our friendship. And 10 years later, he's going to my wedding, my bachelor party, and we, we, we stay in touch constantly. That is awesome. That's, that's true. That like, that's like, relationships are incredible like that. You know, sometimes you meet someone somewhere and you'll, you won't know. Um, but there's that feeling, uh, mutual respect mutual, um, enjoyment. And look at that, you know, it spans 10 years for you guys. It's turned, you know, you got him a job in some capacity, I guess. And, you know, now again, you guys are doing some incredible things, obviously. Um, Jonah's doing some amazing things with one set four with his marketing and branding. Um, and you're doing some pretty cool things as well. And I'm very excited to get to talk about that. So, um, again, we have Omar Garcia, business development manager at playmakers. Um, you also already said it, you worked for the Fort Lauderdale strikers, a second division soccer team, soccer club, um, which is fantastic. And yes, I apologize. I'm going to call it soccer. I know it's football, but I'm going to call it soccer the whole time just because, it's just what I grew it's up okay. with, man. I got used to it already. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I grew up with. Um, so I, I'll do my best, but uh, I can't promise anything. So Omar, my first question uh, for you after that very cute story that you were able to tell, what, uh, where does your love of sports come from? Oof, that I, I knew since I was little that I was not good enough to play in any sports. So I found that out right away, but I, I, I knew that I definitely wanted to be involved at, at some capacity. Um, the, the two main things that, that kind of made me realize that I wasn't going to be a professional basketball player, football or soccer or whatever other sport, I, um, I, I played everything, but I was never the best at it. I always had teammates that, you know, if I wasn't the first guy getting picked on the teams, definitely not the last one, but, you know, the, in the middle pack if in, in, in local sports, if you're not the top, you should already know that you're not, you know, aspiring to make it to that next level then the second thing i um i had a couple friends that did end up going into 
some sort of professional route or trying to get to the professional route. And it was a lot of um, questions on on their lifestyles, you know? It's like, well, I have a two-year contract. I have to leave all my friends to go to a different city. Um, and then let's see what happens if, if after that two years. And, and I know that I did not want to do that. I did not want to be in a position where I had a one-year contract and not know what was going to happen after if I had to change cities. If you know, eventually I needed to settle down, and and I, I did like the traveling for some por- portion of it during the strikers era. But um, you know, that excessive traveling, you, you miss out on you know family's birthdays and stuff like that. And I didn't feel it was right for me at the at at the time. Um, I started playing soccer when I when I was six for this local team that we used to be called Cruz Azul which in Mexico is one of the first division teams there. And since there, I uh, ended up being a Cruz Azul fan. Uh, the last two times that they won the championship in 2013 and 2017, I went to Estadio Azteca in Mexico City to go watch them. They lost both times against Club America. So uh, a little bit of a rivalry there. Um, it happens to be that's my dad's favorite team. So, you know, sometimes we sit on the opposite edges of the table and we just go back and forth. And, and you know, the, the, the bonding that you have over soccer fights, it's like uh, you can only compare it with politics and religion, right? Yeah. <laughs> you stole it, right? I've said that multiple times on the show. I mean, sports fandom, I mean, fan is short for fanatic, right? And uh, the only two things that come close to sports fandom in my opinion at least our religion and politics 100 percent, man and it is uh it's impressive um you know you know as you said you started playing soccer at six uh so it's essentially you know we're playing children's games we're watching children's games on tv just performed at a very high level by extreme elite athletes um but at the core of it man you know it's, it's just a kid's game that we love so much and for whatever reason we get really into it. So sometimes it's fun to have those rivalries. Um, just as an example, a very good friend of mine, uh, went to a uh, college that I truly despise. Um, <laughs> so anytime he comes home, we always try and watch one of those games just so we can just yell at each other for three hours. Right. It's just, I don't know. There's something about it. We still love each other. Uh, I was in his wedding. He's going to be in mine in a couple months. So there's no love lost there, but it's uh, it's fun. It's fun to root with a person. And it's also a lot of fun to root against people sometimes. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned um, Mexico played against Colombia a couple years ago, and Jonah came over. He's Colombian, I'm Mexican, yeah. so you know it's like we hate each other for ninety minutes, and then we we hug at the end, and uh, and we're ready to go down to to the next activity. So exactly that's kind of how how it is in uh, the, the the soccer family environment. I hosted all the World Cup watch parties at my house um, no last World Cup, um, so it's kind of just a continuous uh, nonstop soccer life for me so my just so you get a glimpse of my my day-to-day I um I have a six-month baby that keeps me up all night but eventually when I go to sleep uh I have to take care of the baby until 9 a.m where I have to go to work for player maker which we'll touch into that a little bit and in a little bit um I finish work at five go home change grab something to, to eat on the go and then I go um coach uh, youth soccer I have a U16 girls team and a U11 boys team and I'm usually there for three hours every day so actually once I'm done uh, um, with with you I'm gonna head out over there and and work on on a couple sessions with them Uh, I come home around 10 and my relax time it's either uh, playing FIFA or catching up on what happened on the Premier League changing my soccer fantasy football lineup there you go and stuff like that um, so I can wait until the baby falls asleep again to, to do it over again. Love so, it. So um, that, that, that's just kind of like the everyday, you know, FIFA, Premier League, coaching, player maker, lifestyle that, that, that never ends. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, hey, if, if you love it, you never work a day in your life, right? And obviously your, your child is a, is a whole nother ball game. But I mean, just the fact that you're, you're this in-depth in this um, uh, in so many different ways uh, I just love, you, you know, you were, you were saying, you, you and I spoke about, I think when we originally connected, I think you were driving on your way to coach that soccer team. Um, yeah. So, I mean, considering, you know, you just went over your whole day and it doesn't seem like there's too much downtime. You know, thankfully I got a couple minutes of your time and we're going to get to chat here, but what is it? I mean, clearly again, the love of sports is there. What is it? 
with even with a six month old that you're willing to put so much of your time and energy uh, into your into this business um, into coaching these kids like what does that mean to you and why why do you do so much of it um, with again just so few minutes in a day well it, I think it, you hit the, the the point is if you're doing what you love you're not, you're not really working and uh, I really have a passion for for this sport and um, I, I don't see myself doing anything else but being in the soccer industry um, I tell people like don't worry you know eventually I'm gonna be the person, you know, they'll give me the nickname of Soccer Omar. Uh, you know, I have a, a a mentor here. They call him Soccer Tom. Everybody, nobody knows his last name. They just know that his name is Soccer Tom. So I kind of want to, you know, eventually lead up to to that. Um, and and I really get passionate about it. You know, sometimes I, I've taken. Uh, I think my my baby, she was two months old when she went to her first game that I was coaching. Oh, that's cute. Uh, I've, I had to have the parents take care of her while I coached their kids. So they took care of mine while I took, took care of theirs. So it was a, um, a good trade-off. Obviously, they were more, more experienced than I was at the time. So um, <laughs> it, it, it worked out. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, that's awesome, though. Yeah, I'm sure the parents were all about it. Everyone loves a newborn, right? Everyone loves a baby. Um, and, you know, if there's enough parents there and someone gets tired of it, they just pass it along to the next one. You're, you coach their kids, so a little bit of collateral involved, I guess. Um, but that's, yeah, that is I, pretty I funny. I'll take care of your kids for, for the 90 minutes that they're here. And then if I have, if, let's say I had nine kids there, each of you guys take 10 minutes with mine, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll call it even. Easy split. I like that. That's funny, man. That's a good story. So, so with, you know, obviously everything you do in football, um, everything you do in soccer, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, the strikers some more, because I saw that you were there for a pretty significant period of time, a few years, about five, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what, how, how great was it for you to be able to work in soccer, work with the team and do, I know you said the hours were crazy and you guys would show up at one in the morning and you couldn't quite, you know, give uh, Jonah exactly his due until he was fully hired. But what was it like, you know, being able to work in the industry for a team in, you know, relatively close to your hometown for, for such a significant period of time? Yeah, so I started when um, in 2011. I remember the January 2011 when they rebranded from Miami FC to the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. They kind of brought down, brought back the um, the legendary Fort Lauderdale Strikers from the 70s, where they had you know Nene Cubillas and then a couple you know big time um, soccer players at at, at the, from that era. Um, so they rebranded to play at the historic Lockhart Stadium which now got torn down, torn apart about six months ago to build up the new uh, stadium for Inter-Miami, which is basically already ready to go. It's amazing how fast they build these stadiums It is nowadays. crazy, yeah. Yeah, so um, that, how was the environment? The only way to describe it is, is you, you have like a family environment where, where people will go to bat for you um, at any time, at any moment, and that was the, the culture. Um, the, the culture was like a locker room environment, you know, where if you needed help, people will go, go out of their way and like, oh, don't worry, I'll cancel my plans, I'll stay and help you. Um, the, things that don't happen in other industries. I, I worked in, in, in the financial industry for, for three years, and it was not like that, you know, it's like, oh, I clock out at five, I got to go, I can't help anymore. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to stay here for an extra two hours while you get to go home or you know, it, it, it was very different. And in, in the soccer industry, you know, you, you, you go to lunch and you're thinking, hey, you know, that person hasn't gone to lunch yet. Let me, let me bring them something on their way back. Or, you know, so what can I do to help the, the, the next person make their job a little bit easier? That's the most, most important thing I, that, that I, that I um, can kind of recall is the environment, the you know, the helping of each other and, and everybody growing together. Um, all, all the guys that I, that I work with at the Strikers, they're all um, doing other things in, in the soccer industry. If it wasn't the players, the coaching staff, um, a couple of other uh, employees, you know, they're working with, with big clubs like uh, they're after the Union, they're in North Carolina, they work for CONCACAF, they work, they're currently some, somehow involved with Inter-Miami, you know, think, things of, of, of those sorts or, um, you know, I can, I, I can, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about different guys and, and where, where they're at, where they're headed and what they've done. Um, so it, it, it's good to see that we had the right group of people 
um, the uh, at least you know the the grassroots portion of it, where where everybody is go- was going to be in the soccer industry for many years. That's so awesome. That, I mean, that's it's exa- oh, absolutely. And you know, I I I wrote down that you worked at Bank of America for a couple years. Um, I worked in finance for a couple years. I absolutely hated it. I actually liked the people I worked with a lot. They were super helpful and um. But it's, you know, it's just something where I'm not passionate about finance. So getting up every day, having to go talk about the stock market um, was not something I was enjoying at all. And I don't know if you enjoyed it, uh, but it makes it, it's, it's pretty clear that you really enjoyed talking about soccer and getting back into doing that is something, you know, I'm happy for you that you were able to kind of, you know what, it, not, not quite my style. Let, let's go back to what we were doing. And I think it's awesome, you know, how you were talking about the family aspect of working at the Strikers and now you know, you just rattled off like six or seven things that some of these, uh, you know, as you said, the, your former coworkers, employees and all these coaches and now what they're doing, it's incredible. You know, I mean, this was a few years ago, but at the same time, it's just a very easy way for, for younger people to understand, like you have to get in at some point, right? Like you're not going to go start working for the Yankees in their partnership department right out of the gate. That's not how it works. You're going to go work for the Trent Thunder selling tickets. And it's going to suck, but you're going to love it. And you're not going to make that much money, but it's going to let you appreciate what you have to do. And you're just going to work your way up. That's just how sports works because everyone wants to do it, right? Everybody wants to work for, you know, Inter, Inter Miami, as you were talking about. Everyone wants to work for CONCACAF. Uh, Conca like there's so many of these jobs, you have to prove your worth along the way. And I just think it's awesome that you were able to do that. And all your friends were too. Yeah. And um, like, like you mentioned in the, in the bank industry, it's not that I hated it. Yeah, I, I learned a lot from it and it helped me eventually, you know, with the soccer industry on, on talking because you'd be surprised how many soccer players don't know about finance. Oh my goodness. So yeah. If, if you could go back and give them little tips and like, they, Oh, I want to buy a house. And you're like, well, you don't have any credit because you buy everything cash. Let's work on that first, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. That was very, very helpful. Um, I, I did love working um, with, with my coworkers were, were, were pretty solid at the bank. Uh, but it was different. It's a different style. I actually ended up working at Bank of America through a soccer connection. Um, no way. We had, <laughs> yeah, we had a group of cheerleaders um, that, that we started to do. Uh, I was doing community relations at the time for, for the strikers. So we decided to have some cheer, a cheerleading group. And the main person involved there, she was like a district manager here, big time uh, banker, which I did not know about until after I said, you know, hey, you know, I, I uh, strikers uh, got me out of here, so let's try to find the next the next project. Said, well, why don't you come and work at the bank? I'm like, well, you you think you have that pull? She's like, well, hey, I I I I am the pool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, it's all about relationships, man. I mean, as you as you knew, as you you uh you know went throughout your career, especially with you know, sales and everything, it all comes down to relationships, right? And, and yeah, yeah I mean, I, I understand, you know, I learned a lot working in finance. Um, I liked the company I worked for. I liked all my, the people that I worked with. It was just the subject of finance is of zero interest to me. So getting able, being able to do this and talk to people like you about things that I love, um, is a lot more interesting to me. And I, I thoroughly do enjoy that. So you worked at the Strikers for a few years, took a little pit stop in finance for a couple of years, learned a lot. And as you said, you know, it's through a soccer connection, you got the job and with the information you got, you're now helping more people in soccer. So it's all worth it. It all, it all has its reasons. Um, so now you're at player makers, correct? Yeah. Okay. So uh, it, it transitioned into after the finance portion. Um, I've been with player maker for almost a year. So at the, at the time uh, that the banking story ended, I figured I, I want to do, I want to take some time. I'm going to maybe take a year off, um, you know, hang out with the baby for a little bit because I did not know what I was getting into. Um, and I said, well, I'm, unless something really good pops up, I'm, I'm not going to be looking around for another finance job or another just job to get money. It was mm-hmm. a job that I wanted to do, which was the, the main component of it. Of it. Um, so I said, I told my wife, like, oh, I'm just going to hang out the house, you know, I'll cook dinner or whatever. I'll have everything ready. I was basically a house dad for uh, uh, maybe a month. And then one day she comes and says, hey, you know, why, why don't you look for something and see what's out there? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, you know. This I, is kind of fun. I don't mind this. This is kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, let me take a little break. I've been working for 10 years straight. And, uh, and um, she said, well, just, just take a look and see what's out there. So 
uh, I kind of reluctantly go and check and he's like, well, I, I didn't find anything. Well, what are you looking for? Like, Something in the soccer industry, of course. Yeah, well, let me take a look. She just types in soccer in, you know, a job web search website. And she's like, check this people out. I don't know what it is. Play, it says player maker. Have you heard of it? I'm like, doesn't ring a bell. What's it about? Doesn't say. It just says they need soccer people. So, like, all right, let me just, I, I send the, the, the resume. I get a call the next day. Um, and, and, they, and they say, hey, you know, we see that you have some sort of a soccer experience. Um, do you want to swing by tomorrow for, for an interview with the sales department? And I'm like, well, I didn't apply for the sales department job. But okay, whatever, I'll, I'll show up. And that was a call maybe like at, I, I submitted the resume like at 10 p.m. 12 hours later, I get this call. And then two, three hours after that, I get another call from PlayerMaker. Say, hey, you know, um, we want to see if you're available to interview for the operations job. I'm like, oh, well, they, somebody else just called me. Like, oh, yeah, different department. It doesn't work out with one. It'll work out with the other kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so I, show, I show up, and um, it, it was funny. They were, they, they were on a video call with, with, I can't remember the guy's name, and he mentioned somebody in South Florida. And they're like, oh, you guys don't know that person? And, and at that same time, that person was calling me to, to catch up. So no way. It, it was one of those, like, Yep. One in a million situations. And I'm like, oh, is this the guy you guys are talking to? Like, yeah, why is he calling you? And I'm, like, ah, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> let's, let's find out. And, you know, it was one of those lucky things that I, um, um, caught, caught their att- attention. Oh, shit. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, sorry. No, you're good, you're good. Um, and, and then when I, I went through the first round of, of interviews and, and, and it went fine, they called me in the next day. And the guy that I interviewed, he's, he's like, um, I, you, you seem familiar. And I'm like, I'm not sure from, from, from where. And maybe a week or two after I'm, I'm working there, like, I remember who you are. And I'm like, oh, I, we're, we're, oh, like I'm starting to think of all those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did I do? I, yeah, like, yep. what did I do? And he said, no, look, whenever I was um, looking for an internship job, um, I submitted my resume to the strikers and I kept the conversation. I'm like, oh my goodness, let's see how this goes. And, and it was actually him asking like, hey, you know, I found your information online. I'm trying to see if I can do something with the strikers. And then, and then my response was, yeah, no problem. Let me help you out. Send me a resume. Talk to these three people. If it doesn't work out with them, call me. I'll help you out. So it was like, like you mentioned a couple of times already, the connection with the people and the uh, and he's like, that's why I, I said yes to the to the higher ups to kind of give you the, the green light for you to, to to stick on board with us. No way. Um, yeah. So it, it goes back to you know the helping helping in the soccer industry. It, it goes um, it goes around. You know what comes around goes around. And Absolutely. Once sometimes you're on top of the Ferris wheel. Sometimes you gotta get down under. So you have to be able to 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 be in the right mindset uh, at at all times. Um, so. I didn't know, I did not know what I was getting into. The, well, wait, before I just want to make a point, which I yeah. think is, is awesome. I mean, you, um, you could have easily just dismissed this person, right? They were looking for an internship. You probably have an intern department. Hey, you know, get out of here. You don't need to do that. But you clearly did the right thing. You were a good human being. You tried to help this person out. Um, and look at that a few years later. Now this person can hire you for a job. Right. Or they yeah. have the, they have the authority yeah. to say, Hey guys, make sure this is a good person. Make sure to hire him. So it's just really, it, it's awesome how a lot of those things happen. Um, and that's just a great, great story or part of a story on how to say like, just, you know, even if someone's beneath you, doesn't mean you have to have power over them. Like you can just be a good person and try and help them. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but, um, all things come back around. Right. 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 And, and the soccer industry is very, very thin. So, the the people that are that are in here they'll they'll be here for for several more years so if you can help them out whenever they they need an, an extra hand um it'll it'll come around absolutely man and I, I apologize for cutting off but that was a great I just wanted to make sure that that was uh, highlighted because that's an incredible uh, that just highlights that you're a really good person and I appreciate that thank you thank you well like um going back to it I I did not know what I was getting into I did not know what this company was. I've never heard of it, and while they're while they're talking to me, uh, well, when I first showed up for the first interview, there was a guy um, dressed in a suit, and he had a portfolio, and I, I saw he had his resume in his hand, and he was leaving, um, and I showed up 
to a soccer interview, you know, with a soccer polo and, mm. you know, dress pants or whatever. Like it, it wasn't a professional type of uh, attire. Um, and then when I left, there was another person coming in in a suit. So that kind of caught my attention. I'm like, well, what kind of job is this? You know, what, what are they offering? What, what, do they, what do they do? I go into a little office that they were sharing with a mortgage broker. And, you know, they, they had four desks. And you can, you know, right away, I'm like, well, this is not a real job. This is like a startup. And let's see what, what, what it comes to. Um, so we, we, we talked a little bit about their projections, what they do. And it ends up being that this is a company that's backed by Arsene Wenger, um, former Arsenal manager, you know, legend in the soccer industry. Um, and it was built by the engineer that designed OnStar for, for the car, the GPS system. Oh, wow. System. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he finished up the OnStar project and he sold it to General Motors and all that stuff. And he said, well, I, I have all this knowledge on GPS related systems and I have a passion for, for, for sports. Let me see how we can get this involved in, in, in soccer. And in the last five years, it, it hasn't been anything else but the vests that we see on, on soccer games, you know, the, the, what we call the, the, the bras, the GPS bras. Um, so they, he decided to do something different. He said, well, that, that's great for physical data, you know, how fast you run, how much you run, where you run to. But that doesn't do anything specific for soccer. So what PlayerMaker does is a technology that is a, a sensor that goes on, on your feet on each side. So it gives you technical data as well as tactical, not just the physical. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a different product. Uh, I don't think there's anything else out there that, that replicates this. So it goes for basically all of the age groups, you know, because it'll go um, and tell you how many times you touched the ball in one session. How, what percentage was it with your left, with your right? Who did you pass it to X amount of times? How many balls you lost? Um, you know, what, per, what, what side of the field you, you connected with a little bit more. So um, your tempo, if you, if you received the ball and you got rid of it in one, two, three, four, five touches, whatever it is. And, and at first I'm like, well, it's just statistics, right? And, and then it, it kind of went back and, and, and it reminded me of a couple games that I worked at for, for Pressbox um, uh, for international games. I remember I did a game, it was Mexico against Nigeria, I think it was, down in in Miami, and they had five guys basically recording um, the same data that PlayerMaker was recording. So they had us there, you know, they fed us, everything was awesome, you know, you got to watch an international mm-hmm. game from the press box, but it was, all right, you count how many times this player touches the ball, you count oh, how many wow. times there's a corner kick, you count the fouls, you count the shots, you count the, you had a timer where we had to click on which time, how many, whenever one team had the possession and stuff, I'm like, wow, you can replace all of these with this, this information and have it instantly. Um, so that's kind of what player, what player maker is. I, um, I went in and it was a small sided office. We had about five employees at the time. And, and this was in March and the company had just started in January with their operations in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So they had already been operating from where the um, the first office was in Tel Aviv in Israel um, three years ago, three years back. Then they had so much success with all the professional teams in Israel. They they opened the second headquarters in uh, in London. So then they worked on Premier League teams, and now the third office was just opened uh, Jan- January February of this of this year of last year um, in in South Florida. So what what we do now regionally based is um, Tel Aviv takes care of Africa and Asia, London takes care of Europe, and then we take care of North and South America. So now the, the, the client list, you know, it's, most of it is professional teams mm-hmm. um, from, from all different countries, international teams, um, college division one, division two, NAIA teams, uh, youth teams, high schools, anything that's soccer related, then, then there's, a, a way that you can gear the system for for the data manipulation on, on their side. That's that's incredible. Um, that is intense data. Um, 
you know, like, so, so with analytics, so I am a very big baseball fan. So I, I mean, I could be wrong, um, but I always felt like baseball kind of was ahead of the curve when it came to analytics and metrics. I mean, Moneyball, I'm sure you being in the analytical industry in sports, you've either heard of it or read the book or watched the movie in some capacity. Great movie. If you haven't watched it, Brad Pitt's fantastic. Definitely so watched it. Jonah Definitely Hill's watched great it. too. Everyone kind of forgets Jonah Hill's awesome in that movie, but, He's the best um, one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, with, with analytics and sports, one thing that, you know, I never really, you know, you're hearing it a lot more in, you know, American football now and basketball a few years back when everyone was like, wait, three points is 50% more than two points. We should take more of those shots. You know, it's just one of those obvious um, things that eventually does happen. So with, you know, how long have, have analytics been around in soccer? I mean, statistics have always been there, but how long have, has this type of analytics and metrics and really deep, deep seated knowledge, how long has this been around in soccer for? Well, we, I, I thought about this before, when, I, when I first started with, with Player Maker. We didn't have any technology uh, of this sort in, in, in the soccer industry when I was with the Strikers. We didn't have any, any stats to measure anything except off of the top of your head, you know? It's like, well, we had this player that every time that he played, we won 70% of the matches. <laughs> But hey, those are good like stats too. Thing. Yeah, you know, those are good stats too, like though. Internal thing. It, it could have been luck. It could have been whatever factor you want. Um, he and or maybe he only played on the easy games. We don't know because we didn't have any other stat besides besides that. Um, so we didn't really have any technology systems there uh, that 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 can that can be translated into improving soccer. You know, improving your tactics, improving. Your, your your technical ability maybe for a professional working on your technical ability is not a priority because you should already be proficient at it but the tactical structure let's say uh, I'm going to go in full soccer nerd right now but um, if you're working on a 4-3-3 formation with your wingers um, being inverted leg uses or a left winger being a right-footed player then you would want to not maybe whip in crosses you want to cut in with your right foot and then take shots on goal. So the analytics on that, you would want to see as a coach that they are dribbling with their dominant foot more more times than one-time um, leg usage, you know, or one-time uh, getting rid of that ball. Uh, this is very uh, precise to what the Pep Guardiola style is. He doesn't send a lot of crosses in because he's never really had those big uh, target forwards right now with, Aguero and Gabriel Jesus before, you know, with David Villa and Messi, and he had all the, the smaller sized players, Xavi, Iniesta, and Barcelona. So his style of play is very uh, bring in the possession, knock the ball around, keep a lot of, of the possession. The famous tiki taka that, that was implemented by him. Um, and then, or, or the other way around, if you have those in, uh, wingers and you have a left footed player on the left side, and you have your big forward, your Ibrahimovic's, you know, your Oliver Giroud or, and stuff like that, that, that are the big guys, you know, 6'3 and up that can win headers, then you might want to be whipping crosses with the left foot. So that kind of at the end of the analytical portion, you would want to see as a coach during your practice sessions. Um, you know, those are the corrections that you're, you're able to see on the tactical side. Technology-wise, before, it's still very, very new. Um, there's still we're still finding ways how one coach uses a system compared to another one how one coach uses, reads the same data in a different way you know we have a coach that says hey uh omar we have this player he's, he's a pain in the butt we i don't like him at all i'm the head coach but every time that he that, that he plays they force me to play him and he he ends up scoring a goal or two and and so that's why they want me to keep on playing him so I'm like, well, well, why don't you find some data that goes and, and that you can show the player to improve what you want him to do? So, yes, if he, if he, he was playing full-time every, every game, scoring one goal every other game or whatever it was, but his distance ran or, you know, the, the technical portion of it, he was only using one foot, um, you're able to make corrections on those things. Or the, on the other hand, I have a, a coach from a, from a DA club that he says, hey, Omar, I have this kid. He, he's the most energetic kid, such a good person to be. One of those um, locker room glues, we call them, right? 
um, that kind of pushes everybody on the team to be better. How do I keep him when he's not as efficient during games? Well, use the data to find points that highlight his best attributes and, and go off of that when you, you know, when you have to report to your higher ups of why you're keeping him instead of the other kid, right? Um, find the, the, the points where he's the most effective on or what he's doing better than the rest and say, hey, this is why I need him because he does this more than this other player. So that's, that's kind of how the different data is. Yeah, is used. that that's awesome. Um, so thank you for that. That is a, that is a crash course in soccer analytics right there. So I do appreciate <laughs> that, man. That is super interesting. So, I mean, one thing, uh, you're, you're not just business development, you're a consultant kind of too. Like it sounds like you're talking to these teams and you're getting to know them and understand their needs. And obviously, you know, that's, that's as you know, build those relationships as a salesman. But after that sale, it sounds like you're continuously going back. Cause one thing that I've seen in analytics, Analytics, and I, I work in a couple different sports, mostly on the Olympic end. Um, and there's data, right? The data exists and you can capture it. It's just how you use it and how do you utilize it? Because there are so many people like um, in some of the sports that I work with that they take in all this data, they have it, they look at it and the coaches are like, I don't know what the hell to do with this. And then they stop utilizing it. Um, they know they need to use it. They just don't know how to use it or what to use it for. And as you just described, um, it sounds like you're very proficient in understanding like, okay, how this is how you're going to use it. Now you use some very high level examples, you know, talking about Messi and, and, uh, Zlatan, but you know, for, for the, you know, as you said, you work with youth teams, you work with a lot of different teams, you know, how, how have you been able to see, you know, just with say the, the 16 U team that you work with, I, I assume you use the product. Like what do you see as a coach when, you know, not understanding that these kids aren't going to be as proficient as, you know, Messi and some of these other incredible players, how do you utilize it to make sure you're getting the most out of them, but also teaching them still how to play soccer? Cause they're still at a young age that they need to know really how to play the game still. Yeah. So I have definitely used it with my, with my younger teams and, and um, the difference is, the what, what information I look at when I when I'm when I'm with them um, for them it's more about development on the technical side you know I can't work on a high press in the attacking third um, and receiving long balls and stuff like that if they don't have the technique to be able to control mm-hmm. those balls so um, one of the main things that I that I look at as a coach on, on that younger side is the right foot left foot usage percentage to make sure that they're proficient with both feet um, I look at the work rates to make sure that they're, that they're active most of the session. And, and the other thing I look at on the coaching side to make myself better as a coach is how much dead time do they have in a session, which um, is not really a, a player maker. It doesn't try to make a coach better, uh, but eventually it does. If you see that a player is with you in a 90-minute session, and let's say it took you 10 minutes to to show them what the first exercise is going to is going to be then you had a 5 minute break for water and then you went to your second exercise and it took you another 5 minutes you lost 20 minutes of just talking or you know if you're splitting teams and 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 breaking down um different things for them to do if you spend 20 minutes out of your 90 minute session talking and organizing then you you didn't come prepared as a coach um you know it, if you have three sessions a week, you just lost an hour that your opponent is touching the ball and getting stuff done while you're over there chit-chatting. Um, so that's one of the, the, the main things that kind of opened my eyes um, as a coach to to see how the data I can be used for, for myself. And then for the kids, um, one of the main things that they got out of it was motivation. So they see I can't believe that this player is faster than me. How is that possible? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> That's kids right there. Yep. And it's crazy. The first time you go with any club and you strap the kids and you tell them what they're going to be doing, the, the, every coach has told me, I've never seen them work this hard before. I'm like, yeah, because now they're being watched. You know, it's not like, yeah, right. oh, we're, we're going to take, uh, you know, six laps around the field or whatever and and then one kid decides to do five because nobody's looking oh now everybody like has to do the same thing because we will look at you at some point um and and point out that if, if you're doing something something different yeah and that is an incredible example the first one that you gave about you know being a better coach like 
that is a clear example that you utilize the product, right? Like how, how, like you will see, Oh wait, these guys were just standing around for this amount of time. Like we weren't doing anything, you know? So that, that, as you said, that'll just help you become more proficient as a coach. And I think that's, that's a very clear example on how you have utilized the product and you have gotten better. As you said, it's not going to make you a better coach, but it can help you improve on certain things and certain aspects that maybe you need to improve upon. So that is very interesting. Um, so with, with, you know, your company being global, you know, America and the United States is a very, it's, it's a hotbed for a lot of sports, especially ones that come from other countries because, you know, we have the four major sports here. We have basketball, football, hockey, uh, baseball, but there's still so much room for growth, you know, like lacrosse, rugby, rowing, you know, soccer. There are so many sports that have just extreme possibilities when it comes to growth because there's so many kids here. I mean, it's a country of 350 million people, however many which are under the age of 18. There's so much opportunity. So what have you seen, especially with like the most recent, uh, you know, U.S. women's national team, them winning the World Cup last summer? Um, you know, how do you see these cycles? Because you've been doing this a little while now. How have you seen the growth of the sport grow with the success that we can see on like a national scale? Um, well, to, we just came back from, um, from Baltimore. We had the United Soccer Convention there. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of, of people participating, all soccer, um, soccer people, you know, if it's, selling soccer balls, uniforms, other types of technology, video analysis, um, you know, coaches from a rec level to MLS level, you know, people working for the federation and stuff like that. And, and you can start to see how this, the technology is going to advance into, into making soccer a, a powerhouse in, in the world. So, one one thing that I just did my um my advanced national course uh, two weeks ago um, here in Florida and then I did the C license uh, a, a couple a couple weeks ago as well and something that they didn't teach me in courses before and that they focused on this one was the analytical portion you know they instead of saying um, hey guys you had very uh, you were very successful attacking your your opponent. They want they want you to change your mentality and say you were very successful attacking your opponent because you you penetrated the defense 18 times in the for, in the first 45 minutes. But how do you know this this it was 18 times? Well, before you're counting or you have an assistant coach that does it. But if you have some sort of technology to help you improve on these points, and then you're working on specific topics, um, it's an advantage that other kids won't have. You know. You, you go to, to other countries, and, and if they're not using technology and to, to enhance their, their players, they're going to be left out. Um, I, I believe that every generation has a chance to be better than the previous one just because of the experience from the first generation, you know? We can go on and on about, you know, the LeBron against MJ, different era, who's better. Um, I'm on the stance on you – MJ did not have the advantage of watching LeBron and watching his mistakes. So then LeBron had the advantage of watching MJ and seeing what, what he can do. You know, same thing with the soccer players. You know, is Messi better than Maradona? Is Ronaldo better than the other Ronaldo? How do you really know who's, who, who is the best? Um, because the stats obviously are different from – it was a different game back in mm-hmm. the day. You know, sometimes they didn't, they didn't have VAR. They didn't have, uh, you know, yellow cards on your, on your head coaches and that kind of stuff. They did not have that technology. So now, um, how does it affect the way that you, that you play? It's a different sport. Um, so if FIFA is going to allow technology to be used in the, the higher edge of things, then we need to be using it with, with our lower groups. You know, mm-hmm. We have to be using it with our development teams. We have to be using it with our academies, all MLS, USL, um, you know, all, every team here should be using it and it should be not a luxury. It should be mandatory. It should be mandatory that when a coach for a college team is saying, oh, well, before it was, send me your highlight video. Yes, of course. I can send you a highlight video of myself. I get, you know, you know, another group of 11 fat guys that are 30 <laughs> and I tell them, you know, let me do this and let me do that. Uh-huh. And, and it'll make me look like a superstar. But can I show that coach 
data specific to the specific position that he's looking for. Let's say he's looking for a left back and his previous left back is gone from the college team because he, he graduated and he knows that that previous left back did a lot of running. He was proficient with both feet. Uh, he was running. Let me go back to not a lot of running. He was running over eight, eight um, kilometers. There game, you go. There you, you go. Uh-huh. He had, he had a, a, at least a 60, 40 left foot, right foot usage. So he's dominant on both sides of, of, of the of the um, of the ball. Um, how can he find a player that's like that without stats? He'd have to mm-hmm. go and look individually instead of, hey, coach, let me send you the stats from my previous three games. Here's the video that shows everything that that happened in that game. You can sort out by every possession that I had. So now the coach can just watch. Oh, let me just the kid touched the ball forty times during a game. Let me just click on those forty times two seconds before, two seconds after, so I can see what he does right before getting the ball, right after, what's the movement like, um, you know, because the stats can be, can, you know, you can, if you're playing a top-level team, it'll be different than if you're playing the, the worst team in your league, you know. Um, so that's kind of where, where we need to be using some sort of technology. Um, if it's not player-maker, you know, you have a whole bunch of other, uh, other options depending on what you're looking for as a coach. But there should be a benchmark to say, in 2020, our average player in this position did this. How can we, as coaches, make it better for next year? And if we focus on getting better every single year or every single session with, 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 our, with this technology, then our kids will be better. Kids being better turns into better pros, better national teams, boom, World Cup. There I we tell go. people the U.S. is going to win a World Cup before I die, and and, and it's I'll cross my happen. fingers. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, hey, I, with I your help, development with yeah. with soccer, Omar's help, um, I think that that's absolutely a possibility. But man, this this is you are very. I love it. I mean, you know, you're you're clearly very good at what you do. You understand exactly what you're doing, and not only just from the hey, this is these are the features, but you know, always in sales, you have to understand the the benefits and how it will benefit somebody else. And, and clearly you're, you're very good at explaining that and what it means and how, how that's capable. So Omar, this was wonderful. The last question I have for you is what is, I mean, you being here in the United States, as you said, the company's been around for a few years now, but what is the vision for player maker either here in the United States or, or really just as a, a global powerhouse within this industry? Um, I, I think it, it's we're revolutionizing the market right now. Um, you know, we, we saw it in, in Baltimore. We the the technologies um, that that are, that are out there provide certain certain things, um, and, and Player Maker already has a very big advantage because we're already with the biggest clubs. Um, you know, if you think of of big powerhouses, you know, internationally, you think of like Argentina. You think of uh, international clubs, you think of Manchester City, you think of in Mexico, Club America, MLS teams here, you know, first division teams, um, college teams, you think of UNC, you think of, you know, these these different um, um, teams, they're already using player maker. So I think the vision is to just keep on spreading the word of saying, look, this is the next option. If you don't, and the main the main thing that the that kind of been that's kind of been um, a rebuttal on why people don't use Player Maker. Oh, sorry, we already have some sort of technology. I'm like, well, okay. So why can't you change your technology? Well, we have a contract with them, or you know, my budget cycle doesn't open up until X amount of time, and and we get calls back from these people saying like, hey. We, my my budget opened up again. Now can we can we go ahead and, and uh, revisit this uh, um, this technology and because we're comparing it to the one we had before. You know we have now a sports scientist because we find the value of the the statistical portion of in in the game. Um, you know it, it's it's easy to use. It's easy for a coach to go into a youth team and say, hey, this is what we're using. Kids, strap yourselves. You know, twelve, thirteen year old kids are able to do it. So you, you don't have to hire anybody else. You don't have to have that, that stats guy just, you know, tracking in corner kicks and stuff like that. Now you, you, you hire an army of, of, of stats by having a, 
uh, player maker uh, alongside with you. I love it, man. That is, it is great. It is awesome. The way you're describing it, um, you make me want to play soccer now. And maybe I want to form a team so that we all can use this and see how bad we are. But one thing I do want to point out that you, you said, and, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, hopefully that should be mandatory. It should be a requirement for a lot of these younger teams to have this type of technology and utilize it so that way we can get better and we can win that World Cup eventually. I mean, it seems like the women have that down, which is awesome. Um, but it would be nice if the men won as well. And, and, you know, I think by getting kids and younger, you know, athletes to start utilizing these things, uh, these, this type of technology from a young age, it's just second nature. So by the time they move up, you know, if they're going to want to go to the schools that have it because they've been used to it, right? They want to then go to the clubs that have it because they're used to it and they understand the data and they understand how they can get better from it. Um, so I think it is very important for the youngest and the younger kids to start using it because, that helps their curve significantly from a young age. And I think that's, you know, obviously something very important, but obviously we also want to make sure that the MLS teams that you've been talking about and, you know, the UNCs of the world are utilizing it as well, because there's a lot more money on the line there. So um, yeah. just a couple, a couple different things going around, but soccer Omar, this was absolutely fantastic. That's all I have for you, man. Um, very excited, very grateful for this conversation. It was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, man. No problem, no problem. Always a pleasure. You know, if you can get me to talk about soccer uh, full time, you know, that's kind of what I do. So, hey, man, <laughs> you and me both. If I could do this full time, I'd be the happiest person on earth. So, hopefully, I can find a couple more people like you that just want to chat with me and uh, want to listen to the conversation. So, I really appreciate it, Omar. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you. And, and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people, have great conversations, and I learn, and hopefully you're learning something, and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could, please give this a five-star review. If you could, please share this, um, subscribe to it, do whatever you have to do. The more people that do that, the more these stories and these conversations get out, and I'm really hoping that one day, um, one day soon, this will be something that I get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job, of course. But this is an absolute blast. Sincerely appreciate it. Check the show notes for all social media handles. Anything that came from the episode, we'll have everything down there. And I hope you really did enjoy it. So if there's anything I can do better, please make sure to reach out. Uh, my email address, michael.raziel1 at gmail. Please make sure to check me out on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, and, and just reach out because I'm willing to answer any questions. And hey, if you got a cool story, I'd love to have you on as well. So thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it and I hope you make it a wonderful day.